police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified four victims. Killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your host, Maddie Mack, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gab. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime podcast with your host, Maddie Mack, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Gabby. And we are back live, getting ready to break down another interesting story. But before we get into all that, I'm going to let you guys know where you can find us and listen to us. If you want to follow our page, just go to Facebook or Instagram and type in the Grinding True Crime Podcast. There you can follow us, leave comments, let us know how we're doing, let us know if we suck, or let us know if we do good. (laughs) Also, if you just want to listen to us on your drive home or just when you're late at night and you just want to hear some interesting crime stories, just listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Podbean, all those places where you listen to your podcast streams, just type in the Grinding True Crime Podcast, and I'm pretty sure you'll hear some of our uh, recordings from the past as well as the present. Oh, with all that being said, we have to let you guys know, listeners' discretion is always advised because we do get into details, and sometimes we even play audio. So listener discretion is advised. Now, now that my breathing is back, Todd Fox got us another interesting story today, and I am going to turn the attention to you. Take it away, Todd. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> this story, um, I was going to put some audio in it, speaking of the devil, but I uh, decided not to because uh, it's kind of lengthy, so we'll try to get through it. But uh, this, okay. one, this one's going to be, uh, the title is Yahweh, Ben Yahweh, and Robert Rozier. Now, Yahweh? Yahweh? Oh, man, this guy, I think he's got... We'll see... <laughs> you you know some of it, right? So uh, at least that part. I know Yahweh. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a uh, Israelite. So you know, or like you know, or Hebrew. Huh? Yeah, Hebrew, right? Israelite, he- Hebrew. Yeah. There you go. And so Robert Rozier will come into this too. I remember last week I talked about it, him being an athlete. Well, we'll get into it. It's very brief. So okay, this story has many twists and turns. Uh, so buckle up for a wild ride. Our story begins with a man named Robert Rozier. He was born in okay. uh, Anchorage, Alaska on July 28th, 1958. Mm. Uh, he's not a white guy, for, uh, however. Um, <laughs> wow, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Being, he's not? No, he, no, he's not. Being in Alaska, he's not. Uh, you would figure, right? But um, Yeah. What is he? He's got to be black. He's African-American. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's a twist in this one too, right off the bat. Um, his dad was in the military and served in the Air Force Base, um, and was stationed uh, in Alaska until Robert was a ju- was in junior high, where they moved back to Sacramento, California, where where mm. there is a military base in Rancho Cordova. And if you guys remember, Rancho Cordova was the site of the Golden State Killer. So uh-huh. Robert, Ro- wow. yeah, Robert Rozier went to the same high school. As the Golden State Killer, get out. 
Yeah, not the same time. Oh, okay. I'm about to say, but it's the same time. But yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Because he's Golden State Kills a lot older. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, yeah. this this guy's around the same age. He's only he he was almost he was almost there at the same time, basically. Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, Robert Robert's uh, father wound up working at the same place. He went to the same high school as Golden State Killer. He was there a few years uh, after. Uh, actually, he was there two years after. You're right after uh, the Golden State Killer. So he graduated two years after um, uh, Joseph James D'Angelo did. Gotcha. Uh, so, so they might have they might have uh, they might have maybe wound up in the same area at one point. So that's kind of scary. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. yeah, they had to have been there at the same time. Mm-hmm. So at least for a year or two. But the, yeah. the thing is, I don't think the, if we know about the Golden State Killer being a pudgy white guy, you know, kind of weird, didn't talk to too many people. This guy, Robert Rozier, was the opposite. Big, tall, Uh-oh. muscular, six foot three, 250 pound, solid, uh, just big dude. Had the yeah. Uh, yeah, he had an afro. He was. Yeah, there's no, there's no way these guys would be uh, interacting with one another. Yeah, they they they, they saw each other and just crossed paths. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but unlike the Golden State Killer, you know his grades were kind of good or whatever. Uh, this guy's was never good. He he was actually so good in football that his teachers and coaches would fudge his numbers to allow him to stay on the football team. Um, Smart teachers. Yeah, but they they were cheating a lot. He um he became all Northern California Defensive Player of the Year. He would bench over 400 pounds. Gosh. Um, yeah, he was. Okay, he, Captain America. Yeah, he was. He was a big, strong dude. Um, despite this, uh, he he had dreams of of going to college, but he never followed through. He started hanging out with the wrong crew. He would actually quit high school altogether in 1975 when the principal said, "You can't play football no more. Your grades. We found out about how they've been fudging your numbers." So he was kicked off the football team and he quit. Now, yeah, so now, usually if you don't have a diploma, you can't go to college. Mm-hmm. But there was a community college in Washington State, which also fudged numbers and saw his talent and said, well, welcome aboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your GPA? Nada. <laughs> how okay. many yards you can catch? Ten? Come on. <laughs> yeah, how many quarterbacks can you hit? Okay, you're good. <laughs> so... So he plays defensive end there, and he gets so good that again another college that I know Matt knows about, Cal Berkeley. It's as, oh yeah, it's as prestigious as Stanford as far as um, sure is. Yeah, yeah, you have to have really good grades to get in there. It's the it's the bougie. Mm-hmm. It's super bougie. It's it's bougier than UCLA. Mm-hmm. We were just over there actually in Cal, uh, in, uh, in Cal or, Berkeley. Or mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's in in yes, Gabby. He was. He got into that college as well because, again, another coach uh, violated NCAA double rule, uh, double A rules mm-hmm. and cheated and got him in. And he wow, <laughs> he was all pro with like zero grades. Like he had other people doing his his work for him. He the only classes he went to was for um, Black history and uh, of course and I think religion. And he was studying up on Muslim and stuff like that. Being of course, he went to Black history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do anything else. So he was he was the whole raise your fist guy. He was all about like um uh you know, he he was all for the cause basically. He was mm-hmm. very very into cuz back then there was a lot of racial tensions in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. So uh um, the Black Panther movement. Exactly. Uh, mhm. So again, he's <laughs> he's doing he's going to college. He's tearing it up. 
He's one of the leaders in the Pac-10 with most sacks. Everything's going right for him, right? Mm. In his junior year, they find out about the violations. He's booted off mm. the football team in 1970. He should have quit when he was ahead. If, yeah. I, if I'm him, after my sophomore year, hey, man, time to, yeah. They found out. For the, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just say I was trying to enter myself in the NFL draft. Yeah, well, that's what he did. <laughs> oh, so it's 1979 at this point. He's been kicked off a junior high school or, or, or kicked out of high school, got to a junior high school or a junior college illegally, got to a college, a prestigious college illegally, got booted off of that. And still, because he's good, and just like Matt said earlier, can you hit somebody? Can you do this? And the answers are yes. He's drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals in the 16th round in 1979. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. He, um, he plays for the Cardinals only six games, however. Never registers a tackle or a sack. And he's actually uh, cut from the team and never plays football again because of drug use. He couldn't stop Ooh. smoking pot. Wow. Mm-hmm. So drugs get him kicked out. Drugs got him kicked out, yep. Well, he might have got a few checks before he got, you know, kicked out. Six games. He might have made a couple of checks. Yeah, but minimum back then. We're talking 1979. Yeah, very minimum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after this, he's on the street. And he starts to move to Miami where he had some friends from college that went over there. And he's just messing around. He stumbles on these guys that are dressed in these head coverings, um, sort of Muslim outfits, um, turbans. And they offer him a pamphlet, which um, it says, Come listen to the Temple of uh, Peace by Yahweh Ben Yahweh. And so he attends, and that's when he runs into the leader of, uh, of, the, of the temple. Um, who was the leader of this group of, of called the Temple of Love? And that's Hulon Mitchell. Um, his teachings of the cult involved around uh, blacks being the true Jews of Israel and white people being the devil for lying to them and keeping them away from their true inheritance with God, even though the Jews were from Israel. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so this was a cult. Um, well, here we go. <laughs> Matt ain't leading nowhere good. Let's we'll see what happens. Matt's like, we're off to a good start. We're off to a good start. I know where this is going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Yahweh wanted the message to be Yahweh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm, There's going to be a lot of mention of Yahweh, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. My bad. <laughs> what? What you laugh? Yahweh. They will call themselves Yahweh. <laughs> it's and and wait till you wait till you see what it what it means all together though. <clears throat> I'll get to okay. that in a minute. And it says that Yahweh wanted the message to be the true race will get its inheritance of if his teachings were followed to a T and that he would be recognized as the true God for earth. So he's calling himself the son of God, basically. Yeah. Yahweh is the name of God. Him? Robert? Yeah. Uh, Hewlin Mitchell. No, this is the Hewlin Mitchell. The, the leader. Oh, the yeah. leader. Yeah. yeah. So Yahweh ben Yahweh or Hewlin Mitchell grew up in Oklahoma on a small farm with his family and was very religious in the Baptist uh, community. Okay. However, the racial divide down there started to make him think radically because of the way his people or his family was treated as well. So he began to get involved with radical Muslim teachings in the early to late 60s. And he started his own church in Oklahoma. 
uh, he would start the church there and it would start to gain a lot of momentum and he would start to spread it through the Midwest before eventually setting up um, his true temple of love in Miami. So he moved everything to Miami, but he still had estates in other states. It was growing big time. Um, they usually do. Yeah. I mean, whatever he was preaching, he, you know how all those guys, they always have this radical way of speaking and it's re- very intoxicating to certain people. They kind of prey on the win- ones that are weak or going through problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's how he get, got a lot, a lot of his followers and also the homeless and ex cons also became, mm. yeah. I could see how they can easily con the ex-con. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, come to my church, I can give you into the heavens. Oh, okay. Just drop in 20 bucks in the cat, and we in. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then do it again next meeting and next meeting and next meeting. And we're going to do this next meeting. I guarantee you going into heaven. Mm -hmm. The Lord loves you no matter how you are. Come as you are. Pay your ticket. You are safe. Exactly. <laughs> the way yeah. Matt the way Matt's talking. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, no, I don't want to expose that. <laughs> no, the way Matt the way Matt's talking, I'm like, I want to donate. <laughs> <laughs> but um I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's cool. So um however the popularity and po- and power went to his head and he began to be uh to then having members begin to donate their belongings to the church. So he would encourage them to give up their earthly belongings live in the communal life of that he would set up like they would buy apartments or condos move, move people out and move like the residents in so like a whole neighborhood would start changing into Yahweh's and having are you serious yeah and 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 they would give up their stuff and he would use that money to buy more property buy more things for the church and then they would have to uh, sell goods and and preach to earn their keep and to earn their stay so if you weren't doing anything like that, he would just boot you back out. And wow. and you had to take on an Israelite name too. You had to change your name. So um with these cults, there's also one thing that also comes along with it. And that is um you have to have sex with a supreme leader. So mm-hmm. that's that Freemason stuff. Yes. So Yahweh Ben Yahweh began to have sex with women, even if they were married. Um, because you know he's God and all, you know. So uh, you got it. You got to so give the husbands it. Husbands couldn't say or do anything, right? Right. They were just like, well, praise God. And that was well. God said. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and then uh, this guy was even bigger creep because uh, the, as the church got bigger, he felt he also felt the need to sleep with uh, girls that were barely turning either eighteen or a little below eighteen. Because uh, he felt that uh, God taking their virginity was uh, something sacred for them. Oh, wow. Yeah. These people. Mm-hmm. How do people believe that crap? Like he said, he knew who to prey on and who to target. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and basically their kids became his kids as he, you know, or he would actually go on to uh, have many kids through these women in extramarital affairs and these unfortunate kids too that buried his seed. So, uh, yeah, Yahweh would uh, be doing his thing, and he met Robert. Robert actually meets him because a lot of the recruiters that saw Robert were like, "Man, this guy's huge. You can use him as one of your enforcers." And Robert heard what he saw about the church and loved it, and then wanted to be an enforcer, which was like 
they had a name for it, the Secret Ten, which was like their their most like the bodyguards or the ones that kept the church in line. Because at this point, the church has a, almost about twelve thousand followers nationwide. Wow! Yeah, it's growing fast. So they need some people in the inner circle to take care of those that are either are ta- talking bad about the religion or that are trying to defect. And he and Yahweh wants to run his empire with no one talking crap about him or trying to leave whenever they want to. That's like a no-no. Oh, so you couldn't even leave the church when you wanted. Nope. Once you join, that's you're in. You're in and you have to stay in. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So this inner group circle has sef- several different kind of, you know, depending on where they were. Um, Robert was a part of the Miami circle. He moved into that, but he wasn't official. These these men carried pistols and machetes. So, what? Yeah. They, <laughs> imagine a big, tall black guy with a turban on, covering his fro, big beard, and you know, like a big, like white shawl or whatever around him, like a, you know, and just walking around with an open machete on one side on a belt and and a handgun in the other. Wow. Mm-hmm. Scary. Very scary. Um. So now we have a date. <laughs> so when we have a date, somebody dies. Somebody lost their life. What happened on this date, Todd? Well, Friday, November 21st, 1981, on a hot summer morning in Miami, Florida, a a construction worker was opening up a site for the day to uh, do some road work when he saw a red blanket on the ground. As he approached the red blanket, he lifted it up to see feet, and he quickly left the scene and called police. Uh, When the police uh, arrived, they removed the entire blanket to see that the body had no head. Yeah. They only found a pair of keys on the victim. Everything else was gone. Wow. So then an hour later, as a police officer was checking the area, he found in some bushes and a trash bag the wrapped up head. Uh, wow. Yeah. Upon Ooh. upon checking the, uh, the body back at the morgue, the face had severe damage. A broken cheek, bones, uh, swollen eyes, broken nose. And then the body had sneaker marks, like actual sneakers, like they could read it. They it was... kicked him in. Yes. Yes. Was it a he or a she? It was a he. It was a he. Gosh. Uh, yeah, that's he how. wanted to leave the church. Yeah, I think Gabby's on to something. <laughs> um, hands and Well, rib... he left it all right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm in sorry. the wrong way. <laughs> in the wrong way, yeah. But uh, hands and wrist and had... Uh, Ligature marks being tied up. He had whip marks on his back, too. Dang, so they whipped, they beat him. They beat him probably to an inch of his life, and then they chopped his head off. God. Yeah. And here's the bad part. The cuts on the neck were uh, were from a machete, and the machete oh. had been dull because it took up to 25 hacks to take off the head. Oh. Yes. Um... So fingerprints would come up to be a, a black male by the name of Ashton Green, 25 years old. Um, they went to his mom for the information and found out that recently he had found a religion called Yahweh Ben Yahweh. And uh, the police in Florida had never heard of it, even though it had exploded 
into the size that it had. You know, the, the, the Yahweh group was pretty quiet at this time. Um, upon, t- upon talking to the mom, she told the police that, he, that Ashton stayed at a, a, at a friend's house in Fort Lauderdale, and he had a roommate. The keys that they found had, uh, were for the apartment. So they went to the apartment. Upon entering, they found pamphlets for the religion around the house, and uh, they also found uh, a, an address for another house of, of friends that he had. So they went to that house two miles away. They found the house packed with people that were dressed in the same way as all the Yahwehs, but in different colors. Mm. And they asked them questions about Ashton, and they found out that several of the followers were dressed in a different colors because they were trying to break free from the religion, and they were known as outcasts, and they were being watched. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Very scary. Um, so uh, they had said that a few of them had been beaten recently, and they had been intimidated as well as the, com- the community had been intimidated to not to fall away from the church. Um, his roommate, Chris, was there at the house and as well as told the el- investigators that uh, he'd been wanting to break away but feared death and that Chris had openly spoke out against Yahweh ben Yahweh and uh, he, that's probably what uh, the consequences were. You mean Aston? What's that? Was it Aston who openly yeah, spoke out Yeah, Aston was the one that openly opened his mouth and oh. openly opened but yeah, you know Openly what I mean. Open. <laughs> Dang, man. Yeah. So that he was definitely a, a warning and an example to those who think if you want to leave this religion, this is going to happen to you. So they made an example out of it. Pretty much. And I think that's why they were trying to scare that group of people. They also said that if we can't get to you, we'll get to your family. Gosh. So even the family that wasn't involved in it would would get it. Dang, How do man. people like this go about, about acting like they're sent by God? I mean, <clears throat> I have no by idea. By threatening people and scaring people, and like even you fear for your life if you leave it. I know, right? I mean, it's like you don't think of the Temple of Love being this violent, <laughs> you know? Right? No. <laughs> but these people must have thought this guy was the Messiah at one point or another. You know what I mean? I mean, just yeah. to follow that blindly. He's showing his true colors. Mm-hmm. So the others didn't want to say anything anything to the police at all because they feared that it would be death if it came to them. So as the police left and the FBI later joined, a day later, <clears throat> Carlton Carey, two followers also from Yahweh Ben Yahweh, and his wife, Mildred, um, called the police department and volunteered to talk to them. Also, they, they talked to FBI officers as well. Um, <clears throat> Carlton would tell the de- detective that he began to get disillusioned with the church after the leader called himself the true Messiah. The charismatic leader's original name was uh, Hulon Mitchell, but he changed it to Yahweh Ben Yahweh, which means God, son of God. So, yes. Wow. He's not only the God, he's also the Son of God. Wow. Yes. Oh, he's everything, huh? He's everything. Yeah. He just he didn't feel like being the Holy Spirit either. So he was just like, I'll take two out of three. <laughs> just give me the two. Yeah, just give me the two. 
The Holy Spirit's like whatever, you know. Yeah, I... yeah, yeah. Just give me this. I'll I'll just be supreme and uh, Nacho Supreme as well. But I'm not going to be, you know, this guy. The spirit. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what do you okay. what do you guys think so far of this? I think this is very very interesting how people can be manipulated mm-hmm. uh, manipulate Man- yeah I said it right manipulated and duped into believing that a man can bring you life or can be the savior to your you know entrance to you know in their eyes the heavens or the God's kingdom whatever it may be it's just very interesting to see that and for them to be scared stiff it's like man y'all yeah, should have seen this a long time ago but hey you know <clears throat> yep <clears throat> and that's a problem I mean people people will sometimes just follow blindly and that's what these people did exactly so he just said that the um, you know he emphatically told the police and the, the FBI that people had to give up their names and become is you know have Israelite names Yahweh said that the group would uh, make clothes, or he said that Yahweh would make the group make clothes for the community and sell them and give most to the church prophets. Uh, the church would only take care of those who supported and preached the word, giving a place to stay and eat. All their possessions, however, and monies uh, were otherwise given to the church. So, and, and including children, children were also property of the church. So, if they tried to leave, they were signed over to the church. What? <gasps> Yes. So they So you pretty much were like you were allowing the church to take care of you and you own nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've given up all your earthly possessions, even the things that you bared. They probably felt like if I give up all my earthly possessions, I will have an abundance in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So this interview with Carrie and Mildred took hours. The FBI got a lot of information. So did uh, the Dade County Police Department. And uh, it was getting late. They'd been there about 12, 13 hours. And the police said, hey, we're going to escort you home. Now, Carrie emphatically said no. He's I don't want a police escort home. If they see uh, me leaving the station or they see me in the neighborhood with police, I will for sure be killed. And I don't want that to happen to me or my wife. So um, he, he decided, like, I don't want any snitches. I don't want anyone saying anything. We're just going to drive home. We'll be very careful. We'll take the back roads. We'll go different ways. And it'll just take us a little longer to get home, but we'll get home. So uh, what do you think happened? Somebody was at home waiting for him. Gabby? I don't think they made it home. Ding, ding. Matt got it. <laughs> You were, you were close, Gab, but uh, Carrie took his wife for a different ride, and uh, they went around the house like six or seven times even once they got there. And, um, well, they were afraid of being followed, but they weren't followed because the intruders were already inside. Uh, as they entered the house, um, they barely put their belongings down on the, uh, you know, the, their purse or whatever, and you know, keys or whatever, shut the front door and they were immediately shot. Um, Carrie took, Carrie took two in the chest and died instantly. Um, Mildred Banks, his wife had been shot twice, but she didn't die. So with a machete, someone came over and slit her throat 
and then uh, the intruders left. However, Mildred wasn't dead. Um, She went to the phone and called police with a slashed throat and two in the chest. Um, When the police came, they could not believe she was alive. And they rushed her by helicopter to Dade County Hospital. And at the scene, all they could find was a bloody machete. And uh, a lot of uh, no fingerprints were found. And a lot of pamphlets for Yahweh Ben Yahweh's uh, church. Um, The only hope that the police had at this time was that Mildred would survive. But she was given a 10% chance of living. But... But despite this, four days later, Mildred awoke from her uh, her coma to answer questions. Wow. Well, she said that. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Um, She said that her and Carrie drove by the house several times to ensure that they were followed and that no one was there. The lights were out in the house and everything. So by the time they went into the house, they were immediately shot. Uh, She said they were Yahweh's because of the way they were dressed. And but she didn't recognize either one of them that were there. Uh, no one said a thing. They just shot, and then they proceeded to slit her throat. Um, police had two officers beside her her entire um, stay in the hospital for four months. Wow. Mm-hmm. She need she wanted to live. Yeah, she did. She did. Uh, her poor husband <laughs> died right away, but that's sad. Mm-hmm. So um. The police tried to find the original outcast that they were, you know, with Ashton and all that, his his people. Once they heard what happened to Mildred and Carrie, they scattered. They literally went different directions and no one could hear from them or, or no one knew what happened to them for a while. They were too scared. So, Wait, who scattered? Remember the people in the, in the house with... Uh, that was in the house, yeah. Yeah, there was 12 of them. They they all scattered different ways. Like even Chris, his uh, Ashton's roommate, was gone. They, di- they didn't get in contact with them until years later. They was like, nope, screw that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they all went underground until this thing was closed out. So, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty scary stuff. And the FBI got more and more involved because they were finding out how big the Yahweh's were. And... Um, they would interview Yahweh's on the street, Miami and different states. And the only thing is that they would do is return. Like if, if the officer came up to you and said, Hey, um, do you know anything about the Yahweh's and what happened with these killings? And right away, the people would be like, like praise Yahweh, Yahweh bin Yahweh, son of God. We love him. Here's a pamphlet. <laughs> That's all they would oh, say. Dear. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They start preaching. Yep. It's this praise Yahweh. That's it. That, like they wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, they would be too scared to say anything. Basically, they were like robots. Oh. Yeah. So they would find out that um, they were in thirteen different states, um, up to twelve thousand members, and that the assets of the church were up to fifty million dollars at that time. Oh. Dang, dude. Yeah. This isn't. This is like around 83 to 86 around that time well of course he's taking everybody's money Mm mhm that's just a gang of cash right so and he's seeing all of it mm mhm he's living the life we'd be set for life Mm mhm like he can close down tomorrow and just like be like alright whatever I never had a church (laughs) 
Dang, Daniel. Yep. So, um, most believers, though, the, that did talk, did not believe in his racist teachings or the him believing that he was a Messiah. However, a lot of them believed in the teachings about Judaism because apparently he was giving a different side to it. So a lot of Muslims liked that part of the teaching. They just didn't believe he was the son of God or, you know, that he, you know, the, the racist stuff about white men holding them back or whatever. So, yeah. So, yeah, he would prey on all these uh, on these young people and he would get them into the uh, church. The church began to also make wine, which got him a lot more money, food. And um, they they started peddling that on the street and actually making money and forcing forcing stores to carry their goods because they threatened uh, harm to them, either by uh, fires or uh, stabbings. I mean, yeah, they were extorting the neighborhoods. So they just wanted full control. Mm -hmm. They were taking over neighborhoods where the temples were located. They would literally take over the surrounding areas, sort of like gentrifying it, but with a religious Mm -hmm. touch. Yeah. So that is crazy. Mm-hmm. A so, church terrifying people. <laughs> and people for the most part being too scared to call the cops. Like like literally there was an example where they pulled up with a moving van and forced people out of these homes because they wanted those homes to tear down and build an apartment complex. They literally started packing their stuff for them at knife point. What? Yeah, this is in so my. They just had a sign over their property, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And and this is this is a freaking. This is not in a third world country. We're talking Miami, Florida, and nothing's being done. You know what I mean? Dang. This is crazy. I wonder if after all this dilemma, people recovered their homes. I don't know. I didn't have the information on that. I wish I did, but I do know where they are nowadays. But um. We'll get into that at the very end. Um, okay. But not everyone was welcoming to the people and their ways. So in 1986, in a particular apartment complex in the little Haiti area, um, mm-hmm. some of these people were like, "Nah, you need to, you need to bounce." You know, like we're 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 not putting up with your crap. We're not putting up with you trying to take our property. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So they forced the 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 Yahweh's out. The Yahweh's had came with a bunch of people to try to get people to move. They were offering moving vans or they were going to do it themselves. Same thing, right? Use of force. These other people came with force as well. And numbers. That's what I'm talking about. So they, they booted them out. Uh, Yahweh didn't like this. So he sent Robert Rozier and a bunch of his uh, henchmen to come over there around 2 a.m. And they firebombed the entire neighborhood. Dang. We're, we're talking two apartment complexes and about six homes went up in smoke. Dang. So they killed a bunch of people? No, they fortunately, nine people were uh, hurt, including a nine-month-old baby. Not fortunately they were hurt, but fortunately they, they were only hurt, not murdered or killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, two homes were severely damaged beyond repair, and one of the apartment complexes totally went up in smoke. Dang. Dude, this guy was being led by Satan. Yes. And and these were, <clears throat> at this time, again, the FBI has gotten hold of this, and they're like, they've been told that it was the Yahweh's, and the, the police suspected the Yahweh's. And as they were investigating that night, uh, one officer came up and said, hey, 
I had a run in with uh, these weird looking guys. I think they were Yahweh's. They were they had a van. And uh going back to our uh, our history on the show of uh dumb cops and de- uh-huh. de- detectives. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> um the police Does he make the list? Well, yes, he makes the list. <laughs> so and I don't know about how what a Florida accent accent would be, but um he basically uh, pulled them over at 1 a.m. as they were filling up not one, not two, not three, not four. We're talking about 10 five-gallon tanks of gas. Wow. And, that ain't suspicious. And, yeah, and putting them in the back of the van, right? <laughs> that ain't suspicious at all. So so the police officer asked the, the brilliant question of, what are you guys doing with all that gas? And the Yahweh's... Uh, they basically said, well, we're having engine trouble. Ga- wow. Gas and engine trouble, right? <laughs> wow. And what, he and he and he bought that. What do you think the what do you think the police officer said in return? Well, I hope you get it fixed. <laughs> All right, well, y'all be safe. <laughs> Gabby got it. <laughs> quote he quote uh all right. Well, have a nice night. <laughs> what an idiot! You can't get any dumber than that. <laughs> you fix that engine trouble now. You hear? Fix that engine trouble now. Get that gas in there. Not not the oil. That gas. The gas. Yeah. And the thing was, the only thing that the cop did right was he's like, "Well, maybe I should write down that uh, license plate number." So he did. So that was the only thing that he did right. I, well, at least you, you know, correct a little bit. Yeah, but that's still pretty stupid. I mean, come on. And then, yeah, and, and then you're like, hey, there was a fire, and there's these guys that, like, gassed up like a van with all this gas. I wonder if that's related. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> it wouldn't have registered in your head that this man said, oh, we're having engine trouble. <laughs> wouldn't it have registered and said, you don't they use gas. You know for... what, though? <laughs> if he had questioned them, they would have killed him right there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe he was intimidated. Who knows? Maybe he was intimidated, so he probably said, oh, all right. He probably took it like, uh, mind your business, and he was like, okay, good night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's probably like, protect yourselves now. Have a good night. So <laughs> <laughs> this ain't got nothing to do with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But uh, when they ran the plates, though, interesting enough, it came back to a high-ranking elder of the temple. So the van was really? tra- yeah, it was traced back to the temple. So you would think these Yahwehs, <clears throat> being the son of God and God of gods, would known that uh, you should probably rent a car to do something like that. But yeah, uh, but no, not necessarily. Um, well, I guess they, they I, didn't care. Yeah, exactly. They, they felt like yeah, they felt like well, nobody we're untouchable, so who cares? Yeah, and then. As they're following this lead and they're thinking they're untouchable, actually one of the members, a high-ranking member from the church, comes forward and confesses because he's scared that he made a mistake and he might be killed next. So he came to the FBI on his own and confessed that he was one of the ones that committed the arson slash terrorism in the neighborhood and and also was the driver in the killing of Ashton, whose headless body had been found earlier, a few years earlier. Yeah. Wow. So he's going down that road, huh? Yeah, he's going down full on snitch. He's like, save my life and screw <laughs> everyone else. 
Let's go, Randall. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And he was, he had been trying, uh, he said that Ashton was killed because he'd been trying to persuade others to leave the church. Um, mm. He said that the that he and three other accomplices, Robert Rozier being one of them, uh, the football player, remember? Mm-hmm. Um, he kidnapped Ashton from the temple, and the, and the other two uh, members took Robert to a room where they beat and tortured him before they took him to the field and beheaded him. Um, yeah, it was pretty... You mean they, they took Ashton? Yeah, he took Ashton from the temple, and yeah. that's when they were... Oh. That's when they were stomping him, kicking him, uh, beating him with a whip, um, just and then beating him in the, upon the face, just tearing him apart before beheading him. He must have been unconscious. I hope so. I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, that would that would suck if he was alive or or, or what do you call it, conscious? Never, oh, well, you like know you're about to be killed. You probably have this will to live, and you won't pass out. Man, that's true too. Yeah, but you get beat up like that and taking all them blows you get whipped man I, I I hope he was unconscious to not feel that that last hacking mm-hmm. that he, you know remember it took man. 25 hacks to get his head off though right so this wasn't a clean like ISIS it thing it wasn't a clean cut yeah nah, he, he yeah that hurts yep so as they were investigating these two um or this murder and trying to talk to the informant there was two more murders that in, that occurred what just a few blocks from the police station um what yeah that involved beheadings and the heads missing the ears what yes <clears throat> um wow i wonder if that's symbolic for some it was the summer of 86 and okay the bodies were found um in their cars with the heads off and the ears missing and the police would go on to find two more murders of white men with no ears and no heads and then they would find a black man because they were trying to think it was a serial killer and he was only preying on white men and then all of a sudden they found a black man and they were like what the heck's going on so they didn't tie it to the Yahweh's because of the black guy and so it was because they they were thinking it was the Yahweh's because of it was knives or some sort of machete. They were thinking it was machete, but they weren't sure. So they were investigating. But what had happened was Yahweh had told the secret security that they needed to murder to prove themselves more loyal. And then they would have to kill a white man and bring back an ear for evidence. Now, wow. <laughs> Robert not being That's the most so disgusting. It is very disgusting, but see, Robert not being the sharpest tool in the shed. It was late at night, and he couldn't tell that the the black man was not a white man. Don't ask me how, but he killed the guy, and then he brought the ear back, and then Yahweh and him had a laugh about it because he said, this is a black man's ear. And so (laughs) Yahweh kept it as a joke, the ear. So Wow. Yes. So he said that you know he wasn't going to say nothing crazy to him. Oh yeah, no, no, he wasn't. And I mean, how yeah. crazy is that? You're bringing ears back, and you're getting praised for it, and then you bring a you bring you kill somebody, you actually murder somebody in cold blood, and do something heinous like that, and bring it back, and you laugh about it. You know, like oh, well, you killed the yeah, wrong way. Yeah, something. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they lost humanity. And and it gets even weirder because. <clears throat> 
he wants to prove himself again to Yahweh and that he can murder again. And so on September 6th, Robert followed a gay couple to their apartment and he killed both guys, stabbing one in the heart and hacking the other one up. He brought back two sets of ears to Yahweh and said, here, I got you two for the price of one. And then Yahweh literally said, will you have off of temple duties for a couple nights? And I guess gave him whatever praise he could. And well, what do you think he did with his day off? Because this is no lie right here. This is no, no lie. This is the funny part. What do you think Yahweh did with his day off in 1986? Yahweh or Robert? I mean, Robert, I'm sorry, Robert. Uh, man, something crazy. I, no, something mundane. Brought, I'll give you that. Mundane. Read a book. Gabby? Um, he played football. <laughs> That'd be funny, but he actually has said, you know what? There's a really good movie out right now with Sigourney Weaver called Aliens. I think I'll go check that out. So, wow. Yeah, he went to go check out Aliens with Sigourney. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, um, random. Yeah, very random. So you just hacked off a bunch of guys' ears and stuff, and you're murdering left and right, and you're like, yeah, I think I want to watch some Aliens. Random. Mm-hmm. So while all this is going on, the Yahwehs are changing their their because uh, you know summer's rolling on they're changing their look they're not being perceived as angry now they're starting to clean up some of the neighborhoods getting the drug dealers out they're getting uh the prostitution prostitutes off the street and they're trying to get you know improve their public uh appearance but they're still doing some stuff shady in some of the neighborhoods and they went back to another neighborhood to try to force these people out the news caught the news caught wind of it and a young man by the name of uh, Jackie Bradley came on the news and said, I ain't moving for ish. I ain't scared <laughs> I ain't scared of no Yahweh's. They can come down here and we'll have a talk about it. More like a talk with my fist. And he like literally said that on the news. Ooh. He shouldn't have done that. Yes, he shouldn't have done that. Uh, he was next. Yep, that did not sit uh, well with Yahweh. Uh, later that night, so not even 24 hours pit, uh, passed, um, Robert Rozier was called back in with his enforcers, and they wound up finding young Mr. Bradley, and they shot him to death in cold blood in front of the entire apartment complex, also shooting his brother to death and shooting his friend, but his friend would later live. Um, but the police were around the corner, and they had been watching uh, some other Yahwehs down the street. And they, they caught up to Robert and his buddies real quick. And they were able to arrest all three of them. And uh, Robert uh, Robert was hauled in quickly with the rest of the Yahwehs, but he kept his mouth shut. And uh, But when they ran his prints, they found on some of the cars that, hey, this is a guy that could be involved with these ear slashings. They found some of his prints at those crime scenes. Mm-hmm. So for four bodies they linked to him already and and so uh robert was already facing the death penalty like a month or two later good Um, yeah so as the news hit the uh uh you know or as the news was pushing robert's involvement with the yahweh's 
the entire Yahweh's were held under scrutiny from nationwide media because these guys were involved in extortion and all the sudden all the stuff was coming out about possible rape um and you know the things that were happening with you know church members losing their things people being murdered um uh, all kinds of stuff was coming out the church was hitting an all-time low but while in prison no one could get to these yahweh's they wouldn't crack and they had little or no evidence against the leader. So at the time, Yahweh, wow. yeah, Yahweh was getting away with it, and he decided. What the heck? I mean, clearly these people serve him. They the orders didn't come from nobody. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no one was, <clears throat> no one would talk up. They didn't have that um, that that uh, shiny piece of evidence to just put everything together. So, don't tell me he walks. He's walking right now. So it's what? Yeah, it's 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 like 1989. Three years go by. You know, uh, Robert's still in prison. He's he hasn't faced his uh his trial yet. Well, he had the preliminaries and stuff. And you know, in those two to three years, Yahweh had hired a high priced publicist, high priced lawyers, because he can afford it. And the publicist had him donating a lot of money to community outreach. He had them donating to the city, doing all these public things for kids. And all of a sudden, everyone's, the public's perception of the group began to see, hey, they're less aggressive. They're not talking out against racism. Maybe they are a temple of love, a peaceful community. And no one else was talking because they were too scared. So everyone thought, oh, maybe this is a good thing. They didn't know about all the, the crap that was going on, right? Yeah. So... As time goes by, though, the lawyer comes to visit Robert in prison, and lawyer the lawyer is like, "Hey, hey, you know, um, we um, we're here to protect the church, not you." And he's telling him that he's got to shut his mouth, and this this pisses Robert off because he's like, "Hey, I thought you were here to help me." They didn't they didn't care to help him or the other guys that were arrested. What? So Robert flipped. He's like, "Screw this!" And so let me talk to the FBI. And uh, he began talking and cooperating with police, and oh, and they found like a canary. <clears throat> oh yeah, and they found out that one of the members, the ex members, had information that would collaborate and be evidence to show that Yahweh actually hired him to murder a teenager in 1983 in Oklahoma that was speaking out against um, Yahweh. They actually stomped him to death. Dang. So. They linked that one murder to Yahweh, and then Rozier started to tie the murders back to the temple that he committed and others committed as well. He told the police that uh, he was the one behind all the ears, the ear murders, and uh, he uh, he would also t- tell about the ones about the low income housing, uh, how they would steal from the people and and uh, and just extort restaurants. And just he went all he just went all in on Yahweh, and told about the sex Ow. sex crimes as well. So, while the FBI is investigating, the FBI does stuff on the down low, right? Mm-hmm. And because Yahweh is being such a good citizen, what do you th- <laughs> what do you think the city of Miami is doing while they're investigating him? They're protesting for Yahweh. Close. What do you, what do you think, Gabby? Because remember, his rep is at an all-time high now. 
I think they're crying and defending him. More followers are coming along. He did get more followers, but the mayor decided, hey, you know what? This guy's a good guy. He's been donating to, to, to everything. Let's give him the key to the city and call it Yahweh Ben Yahweh Day. Get out. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. In 1990, on, on March 1st, it was Yahweh Ben Yahweh Day. Wow. <laughs> I know he's real like, crazy. I know he's saying, what a life I have. Yes. Woo. Good to be Yahweh. <laughs> so... Just two, Dang. just two days later, though it wouldn't be lived long. He'd have to give that chocolate key back real quick. Oh, um, two days later, the indictments came down from the Supreme Court and from the from or f- from Florida, and uh, several high-ranking elders, including Yahweh himself, were arrested in New Orleans and several other cities when they were doing their traveling around to preach to other cities. So, over fifty were arrested in connection with crimes. As, uh, as resulting to extortion, assault, rape, and murder, intimidation, and a few others as well. Um, but this is this is the ending part of it, but it doesn't really end the way you'd think it would. Oh, okay. no. Are we going to be mad? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think you'll be mad. It's just the fact that they when they try to try Yahweh... And for all the crimes that I've listed and all the things that you, he can be tied to, he he extorted and he, he intimidated the jurors so much, you know, in, oh. late, in late 1990. And he really, like, they had to go through several jurors because they were threatened, you know, they found out where they lived, everything. Um, how many years do you think Yahweh got for everything? Five years. No. A little higher. Oh, okay. I'm going to say 15. Close. It was uh, 18. That's it. Oh. 18 years after doing all that was tied to him? 18 years. That's it. All those killings? <laughs> yep. There was <clears throat> there was a multitude. Robert Rozier, they actually tied 11 murders to him. What? Yeah, he, he, was, he, was, uh, he was good for 11. Well, he well, did. He did it. <laughs> well, I mean, he did do it. So it is Florida, death. Well, he was he was uh he was up for capital murder, but because of his cooperation, he got four hundred years only. Well, only death. <laughs> yeah, death. <laughs> yep. So he so he avoided the death penalty. Uh, one of his accomplices didn't because he didn't open up his mouth. He was put to death. Um, Yahweh, though, however. He was about a year or two away from getting out of prison, and fortunately, he caught prostate cancer. I mean, you never want to wish death on a person, but I have a feeling this guy kind of deserved it. Um, wow. So he got prostate cancer at the age of 70, <clears throat> and within the, uh, 2006 to 2007, he kept fighting to get an early release so he can go home and die in peace or die at home just, you know, in with dignity. And uh, the courts kept saying, nope, because uh, you didn't allow your people to die in dignity. So why should you? Yeah, exactly. So he died in prison in 2007. Dang. And that is the case of the Yahweh Ben Yahweh cult. 
And right, wow. Oh, oh, one other thing though, they do not exist here in the United States. They actually, there is someone who carried on the group, and they moved up to Canada of all places. Really? Yeah, they're in Canada. Oh, how could they even let such a cult exist? I have no idea. No idea. That's, yeah, that's Canada's problem, not ours. Yeah, exactly. Hey, <laughs> your sister's in Canada. My sister's in Canada. She better not be walking around some Yahweh. But... <laughs> yeah, she. You better check her if she has a uh, what is it called a uh, turban on. <laughs> you know what? My sister's actually married to a white guy, so they probably won't bother her. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, you got to get rid of that devil first. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, this was interesting. And you know what's crazy? This whole time, they kind of well, I don't know. I don't know too much about this religion or this cult. I would say, mm-hmm. but uh, the Black Israelites. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen them lately. No, I haven't. But they're coming out. They're making the push. They've yeah. been coming out. They come out a lot. And when you were reading this or telling the story it kind of reminded me of them because i see them a lot especially in uh, the fontana area they dress in their little turban and try to uh, recruit and i've had debates with uh, a black israelite and they're very aggressive mm. very aggressive yeah and if you go back and forth with them and you try to show them off they get upset <laughs> you got to be careful so, man <clears throat> you gotta be careful, man, because some people are probably trying to bring that Yahweh, yeah, stuff over here. It's probably another yeah. version because this this stuff sometimes goes in cycles, you know. So mm-hmm. who knows, man? I mean, the right kind of the right kind of system that we've been in the last year, where racial tension has been at a high, I would expect more of that kind of stuff to come out. The radicals, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this this their story was crazy, man. Gosh, and no, and no telling how many other people that they didn't hear about or discover that they murdered or you know did harm to. Yeah, because Robert got on late. You know what I mean? Like he got on in late seventies, so he was with them for about exactly. a good good seven years. But um, but yeah, he only told all the deaths that he that he did. But there, like you said, there had to been more. There had oh yeah. Definitely. So. This was going on for years and they were controlling everybody. Mm-hmm. Anything you say, anything that they are not agreeing with, you're dead. Florida people. Florida. It's funny because I first, when I, I was looking up the Lorenzen Wright story and I was looking at athletes who had committed murder and then I, you know, I saw that, you know, uh, Yahweh Ben Yahweh, Robert Rozier, I'm like, Hmm, what's, what's this about? <laughs> I'm like, I've never heard of this dude in sports. And then, like, I started reading the story. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> There's a lot to this. Yeah. So. What is it with athletes getting into this, like, bad things like that? Like, murder. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. Um, we haven't even touched on it, but um, I've listened to another podcast before. What they, what they talk about in crime and sports. And... Um, I'm telling you, if you Google sports athletes who have committed murder or even just serious assaults and yep. stuff, it's quite a few. There is a lot, and you could pick yep. them. You could pick them by sport, but the most alarming one is the UFC MMA fighters. Mm-hmm. Well, that I can understand. A lot of them do some coked out speed um, killings, 
and a, just a lot of brutal stuff that you wouldn't think of. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it comes in their territory. It does. It does. But yeah, if you were to look up some of those MMA stories, UFC fighters, good grief. <laughs> they make yeah. this story look like child's play. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's that aggression in Mm-hmm. You know, so. But yeah, it's a very story. interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he got what he deserved, not in the way that he deserved. I think. I. I hope he suffered. Yeah, hopefully Yahweh did. Um, I know uh, Robert's still alive. He's a, uh, I think, seventy-eight or seventy-nine, so he's still alive. Any Yahweh or no Robert. Robert? The football player. Yeah, the football player's still alive. Oh, mm-hmm. got you. Yahweh is the one who uh, died of prostate cancer. Yeah, yeah, he died of prostate cancer. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Robert ain't. Yeah, he ain't getting out. No. no. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. That guy was messed up already. Oh yeah. It's super crazy. But, but that's the story for today. Well, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This was the story of the Yahweh then Yahweh, who uh, were very crazy. And uh, if you hear anyone saying Yahweh then Yahweh or want to give you a pamphlet, run. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take it. So thank you, Todd, for breaking down that story. No worries. And for those listening, thank you for tuning in to another uh, episode with the Grinding True Crime crew uh like i said in the beginning if you guys want to follow us go to our instagram and facebook page and interact with us just type in the grinding true crime podcast or if you want to just listen to us on your podcast just type listen to us on uh itunes spotify anchor podbean and all those good streams just type in the grinding true crime podcast and you can find us and listen to some of our previous recordings that we've done before also, want to give a shout out to everyone listening in to us. Thank you so much. We're getting a pretty good following. For those who are new to our channel, thank you so much for listening and, and subscribing to us. And for all of our fans out of the country, we thank you. Yes, indeed. So, with that all being said, this is Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Gabby. And we are signing off. Toodles. Peace.